One of the main reasons the people of God struggle in this generation is because if God invited you to play, you'd go. But because God invites you to work, you say, no, thank you. The work of God's kingdom is work. It's a labor of love, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And God individually invites each one of us to work. If you're honest, you probably want to relax and play more often than you want to work. Well, in today's study, you'll look at a story Jesus shared about two sons who were asked to work in the family vineyard. Pastor Daniel explains that like these young men, God is asking you to help him with the work he's doing in the world. There's a lot to be done and time is drawing short. Will you say yes to Jesus and reach out to others with his love and grace? Let's join Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 21 as he continues his message, When Stories Work Best. By Jesus asking the question, what Jesus is saying to them is, you guys really don't care what's real and what's not. You don't really care. All you want is to save face. Because if you say it's from heaven... Then Jesus is going to come back and say, well, why didn't you believe him? And if you say it's from the earth, well, all the people honored John the Baptist. They knew he was a prophet. And the first prophet in Israel in many, many centuries at that point. But this reminds me of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 12, which says, a scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Think about that. A scoffer does not love the one who corrects them. See, a scoffer is somebody who, in the face of what is true, doesn't want the truth. Someone who would really rather be ignorant than to know the truth. And when somebody is corrected, the scoffer doesn't love them for it, nor will they go to the wise. Why? Because ignorance is bliss in that way. As I always like to say, although ignorance is bliss, ignorance is also ignorance. It's never a good thing. But you got to ask yourself this question because you got to remember the chief priests and elders, these were deeply religious people, people who took their faith very seriously. But in the coming face to face with Jesus, they really don't want to know the truth. They don't really want to know who he is. They don't want to know if what they're doing is wrong. All they want to do is save face. And they realize it because if they say, That it's of men, they're cowards. They just want to keep everyone happy. If they stay from heaven, then they're hypocrites because they're really not chief priests. They're really not leaders of the people. They're missing what God is doing. So what do they do? They come to Jesus and know what they say to him? They say, we don't know. Wow. It's like, we don't know the answer. And then Jesus says, okay, if you don't know the answer, I'm not going to tell you either. Because you know what Jesus does? Jesus says to him, look, you do know the answer, but you're too scared to say it. And so if you can't handle that question, then you can't handle by what authority I'm functioning in. 
So brothers and sisters, are you asking honest questions? I want to encourage, God's not scared of your questions, and we shouldn't be scared of God's answers because we want to know the truth because that truth will set us free, and we get to walk in that truth, and when we walk in the truth that is the light of Jesus, then God will do an amazing transformational work in our lives. But you have to be willing to ask honest questions and not get mad at the answers. You know what I found as a pastor, oftentimes, I get the pleasure, and not only me, but the pastors on our staff, we get the pleasure of speaking into people's lives. People come and they bring stuff to us. But the number of times that somebody is asking something and from the Bible, one of our pastors will say, well, look at this and look at this, and you might want to check this. Most often they say, oh, you guys are just mean. You don't understand. You're judgmental. It's like, no, no, our job is to tell you what this book says. But oftentimes, you know what we do? We really just want to justify our own actions. That's what we want to do. Listen, you can say, well, the pastors do want to do the same thing. They do. We do. We're all struggling with this. But oftentimes, we get mad at the messenger because we don't really want to know the truth. And how many of you here right now, there's some area of your life where you know from the scriptures or because someone's told you that that's not the way you should do it, but you're doing it anyway. In those situations, we all need to say, God, I'm going to change my mind. That's what the word repentance means. It means to change your mind. It's you're, you agree with God of what the right way is and you change directions. How many of us need to change directions right now? Because we don't want to make the mistake. The chief priests and the elders, they had all of the trappings of being very spiritual. All the outward, external, they had the admiration of the people. They had great titlings. They were very serious about all this stuff. But when push comes to shove, they really don't want to know the God who they say they believe in, who they say they serve, and they don't want to be a part of what that God is doing in their own generation. You want some real talk, my friends? We need to ask honest questions. And when the answers to those questions challenge us to the core, say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I want you to increase And I want to decrease. God, I want to humble myself under your mighty hand that you may exalt me. God, because you are perfect and I am not, God, will you teach me to trust you in your plans and I take my hands off of my plans? How different would the rest of Matthew's gospel play out if that's what happened? But what goes on from here? is that Jesus knows that a story will work the best. And really, from this point here, right? So I'm at Matthew 21, in verse 28. You get three different stories that Jesus tells to the chief priests and to the elders about what's really going on. And all three of those stories are letting them know you might be a chief priest in title but you are outside of God's kingdom. You might have all the trappings of religion, but you are not part of God's family. That's where he goes. Now, today I'm only going to take one of those stories, but I want to encourage you. I'm going to take verses 28 to 32, but I want to encourage you to read the parable of the wicked vine dressers, verses 33 to the end of the chapter, and then the parable of the wedding feast, which is the first 14 verses of Matthew 22. I want you to read them in your own time. Jesus is using stories now to explain to them, although you are very religious, you are not part of the family of God. There's something else going on. You have completely missed the boat. So I want to focus on the parable of the two sons from verses 28 
to 32. Let me read it to you and then we'll break it open. Look what it says. Jesus says, but what do you think? A man has two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and he went. Verse 30, then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots entered the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Wow. If you think that little story is rough, you should read the parable of the wicked vine dressers and the parable of the wedding feast. They're very shocking stories. Very shocking. But notice this first parable. Notice just the story itself. It's a story of two sons. A father has two sons, right? And he has his vineyard. And he asks, first he asks his first son, listen, will you go and go work in my vineyard? And the son says, no, initially, but then feels bad. And then he chooses to go. He regretted that he didn't go. And so he did it. He initially said no, and then he went. The other one, the second son, got asked the exact same thing. Right? And he says, I'll go. But he never goes. And the question is, which of the two sons did the will of his father? So if you want to get to the heart of the story, really the encouragement is, is that you and I, we need to do our father's will. Do your father's will. This is about you and I walking in the will of our father. What is the father's desire? Now, what's interesting here is that when it comes to speaking about doing your father's will, oftentimes we know what the father's will is because he has clearly stated what it is, but we have another set of plans. Now, I mean, you look at this story here. The father has two sons and he asks each son individually to go. So there's a personal invitation from the father to each one of his sons, much like our lives right now. God invites each one of us to do his will personally, individually. It's a personal request and a call to work. What's interesting is that he appealed to the fact that they're family and the fact that this is the father's vineyard, which both sons would have an interest in because it was very much your business goes to your children. And so they should care about it. It's the family business. God's request for work is in regards to the family business, which you would think for these sons, they would have a vested interest in. What's also interesting here is that God's will is to work and not to play. Now, brothers and sisters, I think one of the main reasons... The people of God struggle in this generation is because if God invited you to play, you'd go. But because God invites you to work, you say, no, thank you. The work of God's kingdom is work. It's a labor of love, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And God individually invites each one of us to work. And you know what else is interesting? God asks them to work now, not later. 
There's an urgency. Will you go and work in my field? There is an urgency to the request. Just like today, God is inviting each one of us. There is an urgency because the return of Jesus is sooner than it's ever been. We are living on the nearest day to the return of Jesus that has ever existed. And the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It's not like, listen, show up in uh, five years when you fulfill your five-year plan and serve Lord. No, you serve him now. There's an urgency to the request. You see why this story is kind of powerful? Are you doing your father's will? Pastor Jason mentioned this new TV ministry. I want to tell you a little bit about that real quick because I wasn't trying to do a TV ministry at all. But what happened was last year, we called it a year of imagination. Remember that? We were going to be bold and dreaming and joining Jesus as he transforms everything. Now, when God gives us this idea for our life and the life of our church, that's just not like, well, that's for everyone else and it's not for me. I start saying, okay, Lord, so what do you want me to do? And this whole TV thing birthed out of that when the folks first approached us because they had been watching the two-minute messages on Facebook and they're like, there's something different. This is different. And it's reaching people who, like church people, it reaches non-church people. And, you know, I had a couple of people who their kids who weren't Christians started watching them and were showing them to their parents. And they're like, what is this? I remember when they first approached, I'm like, yeah, no. That's what my, that was my response. No. No way. I got enough problems, you know? But I felt like the Lord's like, Daniel, you're telling I'm going to be bold and dream and join me as I'm transforming everything. I want to transform a whole lot of people's lives. I want to get the message that Jesus is real in front of hundreds of millions of people. You don't want to be involved in that? I thought that's why you signed up for this thing. <laughs> you know? It's like, Lord. And God's opened the door. But I hope we all realize that this ministry door is not just, this is our ministry. Like right now, let's tell you, you notice every service, after service, we have men and women who come to pray for you. Those same people are a part of our prayer chain where they meet a couple times a week, all the prayer requests that we get in, they start praying through all those. You guys, right as we go on television, we're gonna be getting most likely thousands of prayer requests. Will we as a church family step up and say, we're gonna serve the Lord with this opportunity? Because God is calling us to our knees in prayer because there's going to be literally prayer requests coming from all over the world once we go on TV. You think the faithful 50, 60 prayer folks can handle all that? Yeah, they can. But God wants all of us to be involved in the work of his kingdom. See, this is our Father's will. You know why I know? Because know? the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. We should pray without ceasing. God's will is that we pray for. Will you join us in praying for the world? You know, we had this conference here and we're saying, Lord, we want to see missionaries be sent to unengaged people groups. That's our Father's will. Because Jesus said, when the gospel goes to all the nations, then the end will come. Some of you are just sitting around looking at the stars waiting for the rapture to happen when you should be praying for missionaries to go to unengaged people groups. Be way more fruitful for the kingdom than just looking up and looking at your newspaper and figuring out, depending on who the president is, their name and the Hebrew number is this and this and this. And you get all in all this craziness. When the Bible says that when the gospel reaches the end of the earth, then he's coming back. Not until the fullness of the Gentile comes in. We need to do the will of our father. Let me ask you this. 
Because you see the story. One says no and goes. The other says yes and doesn't. In what ways has God invited you into his abundant life, the life of his kingdom, where you either said no, but now you're hearing this and you're supposed to go, or you said yes, but you didn't show up? The way this is going to land is that the Pharisees said yes, but they're not going, and the tax collectors and the harlots said no, but then they show up later. So when I read that, and I think to myself, okay, and I'm like, Lord, so in my life, what have you said, Daniel, I want you, this is my will, what have you said yes to that you haven't done, and what have you said no to that I want you to be doing? And I think, I want you to write that down in your notes. Go ahead, pull out that study guide, or text yourself, or whatever, however you get it. Say, what has God asked me to do that I have said yes to that I haven't followed through on? And what has God asked me to do that I've said no to that I'm supposed to step up to right now? See, this is one of those moments in the message where each one of us, there's a call to action for all of us. There's a call to action. If you said yes and you didn't follow through, time to follow through. If you said no, but it's God's will, it's time to step up. This is how growth happens, my friends. When we are willing to ask honest questions and say, Lord, I want to walk in the steps that you have for me. Whatever you said no to that is God's will, it's time to say yes starting right now. Whatever you said yes to, but you're not following through and actually accomplishing, it is time to get moving. Why? Because this parable teaches us that performance is more important than the empty promises that we make. See, our performance shows what we believe. Now, I'm not saying that you get saved by your performance. Because we have our whole Bible that say we're saved by faith apart from works but we're saved unto good works. We don't perform to get saved. We perform because we are saved. And our performance is inspired by the Holy Spirit because of the ministry of the Spirit in our lives. But there's nothing worse than a believer who's been saved by grace, by faith apart from works, who actually doesn't follow through on the things that God has called. And when you don't follow through, you're actually functioning like an atheist because you're not doing the will of your Father. Listen to what Paul says told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. I love this. It says, For this is a good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, you know, I read that verse for a number of reasons. One, you want to know what your father's will is for you? Your father's will is that you be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And what is that truth? That there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. See, God's will for your life is that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That you say yes to Jesus. Why? Because he gave his life as a ransom for you. The entry point into the will of God is belief in his son, Jesus Christ. I know there's many of you, you're here right now, you're part of one of our campuses online, you've never said, I am trusting in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm here to tell you, you need to make that decision today. Right now, you need to say, I am placing my trust in Jesus who died on a cross for my sins because that was God's plan. God knew that we couldn't do it ourselves. It's not because because there's something wrong with us, it's the fact that God knows that we are fallen, And that fallenness is a problem that we've all inherited. There's not a human being except for Jesus who doesn't need salvation. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus wants us to be saved. 
But for a lot of us, you already have done it. But now the question is, is are you a part of getting that message out? Because notice what it says in these verses. I love this. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And guess what our job is once we put our faith and trust in Jesus? To testify in the day that we live in that Jesus is the mediator and the savior and that he gave his life. And that is our job. And that is why for many of us, we've said yes, but we haven't gone. We've said, I'm in, but we're really not in. It was a promise without the performance of the promise. We need to do our father's will. And I want to show you how this closes. Look at what it says here. In the middle of verse 31, it says, assuredly, I say to you. Now, you guys know that. When Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, that means, hey, listen up. Turn up the volume, focus. So I know because it's the end of the message, everyone's starting to kind of like dial out. You're starting to think about coffee and brunch. I know how it works. Believe me, I'm in the same spot. Don't think for one second, I'm not thinking about the same things as you guys are. But when Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, he's like, listen up, focus now. We got something important that needs to be shared here. Jesus says, I say to you that the tax collectors and the harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Now think about what he's saying here. Now, what Jesus is saying is so shocking because two of the most maligned occupations in Jesus' day was the tax collector and the prostitute, okay? Now, it's not really like this today because we're all so used to the taxes that we, you know, you don't really like hate the guy working for the IRS. And we live in a sexualized culture where prostitution is practically legal in our culture. And it's actually celebrated. You know, people who are putting junk on Instagram, they have millions and millions of followers because they're bearing out all their business online. So it's a different day and age. In that day and age, these two occupations were absolutely the lowest of the low. Why? Tax collector. Because they collected taxes for the Romans. They made money on the subjugation of their people. The tax collectors in that culture, they would bid to be able to collect taxes from that region. And they would owe a certain amount to the Romans. They would pocket the rest. And people hated the tax collector because they were making money on all the struggles that the people were having with the Roman Empire. And of course, the prostitutes, praise God, it was a very conservative culture sexually. And somebody who would make their money selling their body was considered completely outside of God's will because it is. But when Jesus says, when Jesus says to the chief priests and the elders, they're getting in before you. They done fall off their chair. What? But he explains what, see, I love Jesus because Jesus doesn't just tell him something shocking. He explains why it's shocking. He says, look, for John came to you in the way of righteousness. He's like, John the Baptist, he was righteous. He was God's man. It was from heaven. But you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots, they believed him. And when you saw it, you did not change your mind. Why? What does this teach us, my friends? You and I, we need to be a believer. We need to be a believer. See, they made the mistake, the, the harlots and the tax collectors, the people who were the lowest of society, the most looked down upon, they saw John the Baptist and they believed that God was doing something and they followed after him because John pointed to Jesus. Jesus is 
Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel explained that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. The tax collectors and the prostitutes heard John the Baptist talk about forgiveness and a new life, and they knew it was what they needed. They found the answers to their heart's deepest longings in the person of Jesus. And that's where you'll find your answers too. Jesus is real and he's waiting for you to simply respond to his offer of grace. Today is a great day to say yes to him. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Glance at the clock and come back next time when Pastor Daniel will explore other ways that Jesus pushed past the surface to get to the heart of the matter. As you dive into what Jesus has to say about how to handle politics, you'll realize that it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Everyone has things to learn. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.